Well, why then was it so important for equal education to have this case heard uh, in the Bisho High Court rather than anywhere else? Yeah, well, just as a matter of some sort of background to it, um, this case was really about fixing the unconstitutional gaps and loopholes that the minister had included in the law she adopted for school infrastructure. And that law was adopted as a regulation in November 2013. Um, It was adopted after years um, of campaigning and mobilizing by equal education members and learners around the country who were saying that there has to be a law that says um, a school has to have, you know, proper sanitation, adequate water supply, safe uh, structures, and uh, over time also fences, libraries, laboratories, uh, a law that would say what would make a school an adequate school. And in this case, you sort of arose out of the fact that when that law was adopted, it had... Um, it had a lot of vagueness, and it had some provisions that we that we said to the court would allow the department to escape actually fixing schools indefinitely, and the court agreed with us. Now, the reason that we we took the case on in Bishu um, was sort of twofold. One is that the Eastern Cape is still the most affected um, province in terms of the infrastructure backlog. Um, the legacy of apartheid on what schools look like in the Eastern Cape uh, is still very tangible. And actually, the day that we ended the hearing in March, um, we were told that Lumkam Ketwa had died in a, in a pitless screen at her school in the Eastern Cape. Um, the second reason is that um, the, the, the regulations, when they were adopted, the minister adopted them only following a litigation that had happened in Bishu and a court order in Bishu that said binding uh, regulations setting out the school infrastructure law with timelines have got to be adopted. One of the things we said to the court was that by including provisions that allow the department to escape from ever fixing schools, um, the minister had actually not complied with that court order that was given in Bishu to begin with. So what does this mean now, Daniel? Uh, What does it mean for the Department of Basic Education in the immediate term? Yeah, well, I think we should think about what it means for the sort of state as a whole. So perhaps the most significant problem that we had with the the law as it was for today's judgment um, was that it said, okay, within three years, which time period actually expired in November 2016, there must be no schools without water, electricity, sanitation, and there must be no schools that are built from inappropriate structures entirely. And, but then it said, you know, the, the time frames for these norms and standards are dependent on cooperation and resources from other government entities and agencies. Um, and we said, well, that means that you can simply say, look, we didn't meet them, but we tried. We didn't get enough money, we didn't get enough support from municipalities, from ESCOM, and we tried, and we're going to continue to try, and these deadlines actually become sort of loose targets. Um, and, of course, they've already been missed, the first deadline. So what this judgment means is that the, what the court has said is that provisions like that one that say, well, you only have to fix schools if every entity of the state cooperates and provides resources uh, are unconstitutional and as of today, they are invalid, or, or rather they are declared to have always been invalid today. Um, and that means that the state as a whole is bound by this law that the minister adopted, and the state as a whole is in default of its obligation to fix schools. And 
And that's a very important principle for us because what the minister had tried to argue in court was that she was completely hamstrung by other entities of state. We had said, no, we've, we've brought you to court as a representative of the national government and we brought the NECs to court as representatives of the provincial government. And the court needs to say that the, the, the state is bound to actually six schools by the dates that they are set out in the regulations. And that's what this judgment means. It means that the state is bound, and in respect of the schools that still have no water, electricity, sanitation, um, the state actually defaulted on its legal obligations already. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much, uh, Daniel Linder, uh, who is from Equal Education Law Centre. And for their reaction to this, we join on the line by the spokesperson for the Department of Basic Education, Elijah Mthanga. Elijah, good afternoon. And uh, the department's reaction to this ruling, please. Uh, good afternoon, Satina. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we are still in the process of cutting the judgment, but uh, broadly, it's, uh, it's an important judgment in that it's going to assist us to refine the process that we had already started. We had already started reviewing uh, the norms and standards, strengthening them, and this judgment comes at a time when we're in the final stages of concluding that process. So as we continue to do that, we'll take the comments of the judge into account and make sure that uh, whatever he found to be inconsistent with the Constitution will make sure that it is fully compliant with it. So uh, just some of what he said, because I had a bit of time to read at least through some of it, Elijah. And um, the judge goes on to say in part that the state's obligation to provide basic education as guaranteed by the Constitution is not confined to making places available at schools. It necessarily requires the provision of a range of educational resources, schools, classrooms, teachers, teaching materials, and appropriate facilities for learners. And it uh, is therefore clear that that responsibility then falls on your department, and you cannot then say that uh, this is a, a competence that sits with another department. So what's your immediate response to that? The, the point that we have made in response to that is the fact that uh, the other services that we have to provide are not called to the Department of Basic Education as such. We rely on the cooperation of other government departments. For example, take electricity. It is not our competence. We need to consult another government department who will in turn consult the relevant entity that will make that service available. In some cases, you need to work with municipalities to provide water, but you also need to speak to the Department of Water and Sanitation to build, bring back uh, water services. In cases where we have not been able to do that, uh, we've tried our own innovation and bring uh, rainwater and uh, solar systems to try bring electricity to schools. But all those things are outside our core mandate, and that's what we've been trying to explain, that if we don't cooperate with other government departments, on paper, yes, it is our responsibility, but in real terms, in practical terms, we are not able to succeed if we are not fully supported by other organs of state. So we, 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 we will have to like, read the judgment in full and give it to the lawyers to consider exactly what it is that we need to do going forward.
And I think uh, you can have some very interesting reading there because uh, from the bits that I've read, uh, Elijah, the judge actually says that it does not absolve the minister. The minister can't say that uh, the Department of Education cannot be held uh, responsible for this because if by that logic and you stretch it to its natural conclusion, it would mean that government as a whole uh, could uh, very often not be held accountable for very many things uh, because he also went on to say the minister bears an obligation uh, to proffer some justification here and the stance that she has adopted is a dismissive stance which cannot be countenanced. Um, But uh, as you say, you're going to study it. So does the department have the capacity and resources at this point uh, to fix the schools? On our own, we we can fix schools as much as what we need to do in schools is concerned from our mandate. But the other services that needs to be there will have to speak to other government departments to do. But the judgment was really about the, the, the regulations and whether they are sufficient or not. And uh, what the equal education person did not tell you as part of his background is the fact that they rushed us to compile those um, uh, norms standards and actually went to court to post us to publish them even when the minister was still in the process of doing this. And they actually participated in the process of compiling this and they actually welcomed the publishing of such norms and standards. But upon reading then they felt that uh, they were not satisfied with them. So it's important that we understand where this whole issue is coming from because we need to remember how we, we got to be where we are. But as I said, we were in the process of making sure that the norms are, are reviewed and uh, the relevant stakeholders in government are also held to account in the right way. Because as I said, we need to make sure that we get the support, the commitment from every other government department. Because if what we prioritize is not their priority, then we are unlikely to us to succeed. So. I think uh, once the judgment has been fully studied, we'll, we'll announce a way forward in terms of how this matter is going to be approached.